presence to be here. Dear Father in heaven, as we open thy word this morning, as we read from it, as has been done for many Sundays past, many uh, years, many decades, centuries gone by, dear Father, we thy people, we turn to thee, dear Father, in, in thanks and in praise and supplication for thy presence, dear Father, that thy presence would manifest itself among us and within us in a special way by thy gathering, that the, the Holy Spirit who is in the heart of every believer would stir us up, would kindle a new flame, new fire, Father, would blow the embers to life again, where there is smoldering, where there is coldness. Dear Father, we know that this happens as we listen to Thee, as we read Thy Word, as we humble ourselves, dear Father. And we want to do that this morning, Alan, to read it, to hear what Thy Spirit would say to us. Dear Father, we know that this is not a, an activity of man. It's not something we just put in a schedule or uh, something that we um, can take for granted. Know that this is special and it happens only by thy will and, and thy moving and thy, thy uh, efficacy. Dear Father, we acknowledge this and at the same time we have the confidence of the promises in thy book that where two or three are gathered, uh, calling upon thee and in thy name that will be there. We know it is thy will and thy desire to, to build thy church on the profession of Jesus Christ as the, thy son as the one who has come and given his life for the whole world. And we know that this, this will happen, dear Father. We pray just that we would be part of it. That we would let go of those things that are hindering thy kingdom. That we would see clearly what needs to change, dear Father. And that thou wouldst call even in this day many more to join in, in the work and in thy kingdom to become thy children. Dear Father, may that gospel message go out today clearly. We know the days are short. There are, um, we don't know how many are left, but we know the time is drawing to an year, when thou wilt, to, to an end, when thou wilt come again, and time will be no more. Dear Father, we pray that thou wouldst prepare us for what lies ahead. Give us that strength and that boldness, that courage, and that trust, simple children, in thee. We pray this morning for those that are sick and those that are suffering. Dear Father, uh, those that uh, need a special uh, healing, grace from thee, that thou canst provide according to thy will. We pray for that, dear Father. We know that thou hast answered prayers. It is thy delight and thy, thy desire to answer prayers that are offered from the saints. Dear Father, we pray that thou would continue and that thy work would continue in our lives. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Haggai chapter 1, 
In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Ye have so much, and bring in little. drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And ye that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain, and bring wood, and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. Ye looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts? Because of mine house that is waste, and you run every man unto his own house. Therefore, the heaven over you is stayed from dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit. And I called for a drought upon the land, and upon the mountains, and upon the corn, and upon the new wine, and upon the oil, and upon that which the ground bringeth forth, and upon men, and upon cattle, and upon all the labor of the hands. Then Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua the son of Josedek, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people did fear before the Lord. Then spake Haggai the Lord's messenger, and the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, in the four and twentieth day of the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. I've read to the end of chapter one of Haggai. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. The word we've read this morning may not be familiar to you, or you may have some familiarity with it. Um, so maybe I'll give a little context first for where we are in the story of the Old Testament, or near the end of the Old Testament. And then with the Lord's help, we'll see what that means for us today, and what God is trying to speak to us here in this, this new age of the New Testament. So the prophet Haggai, he's mentioned in, in some of the other books, in Ezra, I believe. The story of the children of Israel, we know that story. They came, they were taken out of Egypt with a strong hand by God. They were led through the desert. They were given a promised land, and they were given many promises. They were given a, a testament, a covenant to keep. And God said, if you keep this covenant, if you obey my uh, voice, if you obey my words, I'll bless you. The land will be blessed. 
will be apparent to those around you, you will be a testimony to me. But if you do not, you'll be cursed. We know the story of what happened, how the children of Israel had a long history, a cycle of obedience and disobedience, and they would obey, and prophets would come, they would disobey, they would turn from God, and then eventually it culminated, first the northern kingdom was taken away by the Assyrians, and then the southern kingdom, uh, Judah and Benjamin, the two tribes, were taken to Babylon, and they were taken to captivity. But even in that, God's plans were working, they were, they were, uh, Sure, he had foreseen all of this, and he was working his will in all of this. And, and even before they went into captivity, he, he said how long it would be, 70 years. He even named the king, the, the foreign king, the Persian king that would uh, send the children of Israel back. That was Cyrus by name, Isaiah, he mentions him. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Uh, that, that the children of Israel were allowed to go back to the land or allowed to build again. And um, some 17, 18 maybe years, maybe as much as 20 years beforehand, before this uh, book of Haggai, the children of Israel came back to the land and they started building again. They started building up the city of Jerusalem and they laid the foundations of the temple. And... Uh, it was, if you remember, when the foundations of the temple was laid, they, they, they said that the, the, the scripture says there was a mixture of, of crying and, and, and rejoicing. The older generation that had seen the previous temple uh, in all its glory, they cried because they saw the new temple and how diminished it was. And the new generation who had never seen that previous temple, they were rejoicing because of God's goodness and His, and His work. So that was 17 or 18 years maybe before this book of, of, of this prophet Haggai and the word came. And then there was some opposition. There was some difficulty. The locals that were there, the people that had been moved in by the Assyrians uh, or the, the enemies that were around about them uh, for, for a while before that, they didn't like what was happening. Their old foe, Israel, was raising again. Um, they were becoming a threat. And they put... Obstructions from the subtle and the sneaky to the outright. And eventually, they were able to get back to the king of Persia, write a letter to him, and um, in, uh, intimate that this is a threat to your empire and you need to shut down this building. And he did. Um, some years before this, you can read it in, in, I think it's Ezra, Ezra 4 and Ezra 5. He's, he's 
um, a restriction and said, we can't do it, we might as well go and build our own houses. We might as well go and take care of our own business, first of all. We'll, we'll take care of things, and then when the time comes, obviously we were a little wrong on this whole 70 years thing. Maybe our calculation of where the 70 years is from, uh, prophecy will be fulfilled, but it seems like not now. And that is the context in which this word of the Lord comes to Haggai the prophet. He says, this people say, the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Memorable quote I um, read recently, actually in context. Do you know exactly what the problem is in terms of the, the feedback? No, I, 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 have, I have no idea. It just keeps on doing it every time. Okay. Is, are you able to shut off the audio from the computer? Uh, I, I gave Mark the remote control and he's uh, he's messing around with it and so like, I, I, I turn off the sound and then he... I guess we can just record it and then uh, just put it post online. I think maybe that's the best to, to do. Thank you. So we're having some audio difficulties. We're going to continue with, with the sermon, and then we'll, we'll record it and post it for people that are not here to hear afterwards. Uh, they suggested that you call in so that uh, they can oh. hear. Context of this message, the word of the Lord that comes to Haggai the prophet, is people that are looking at the reality of what's around them, the, the Persian Empire and the, the commands that are being given, and taking that as the sign that, well, I guess we can't build a temple. And, and the quote uh, uh, I read recently, actually commenting on this, is that we have a tendency, an aptness, a predisposition, people have a predisposition to take um, the the effects of, of providence, of, of what happens around us as an excuse or as a, 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 the evidence that we should step back from our duties. And when something happens, a roadblock comes in our way, and while we can't do what we were, we are tasked to do what our duty is to do, then we'll take that as the sign that we're not supposed to, to do it. We, our duty is discharged. We don't have to do it anymore. When often, when there is a roadblock and there is something that's put in the way, that is God's mean to test our courage, our, our, our faithfulness to Him, that we still persevere in the duty and the thing that God has given us to do. And I think that was the case with the children of Israel here. Because as you keep reading in Ezra, what happens, the context then is that this word of the Lord comes to Haggai, the prophet, and to Zechariah, I'm, I'm looking at Ezra 5 here, and they stir up the people, the Spirit of God stirs up the people, they start building again. There is a, um, an opposition from the locals, from this Tatnai, the governor here, and, and he, uh, he, thinks, I, I, he doesn't like this, what's happening again, the, 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 the temple is being built, and he writes, he, he goes back to the king of Persia again, and commands, uh, he, he complains to Darius, but then Darius looks through the, the, his own governmental histories and finds out the original decree from, Syria, from Cyrus and, and 
he basically turns around and he says, no, they can go ahead and build the temple. And actually, you, Governor Tapna, you need to support them. Whatever they ask, you're supposed to give them up to, I think, animals for sacrifice and etc. Total turnaround. The circumstances change entirely, but it starts as the children of God are, are obedient to the duty, the responsibility that he gave them. As they respond to the word of God that's spoken to them. Not, their, the external circumstances didn't change. Well, now it's okay, we can continue doing what we were doing before. No, as they're obedient to God's word and to the responsibilities and duties he's already laid upon them as his children, that change happens. And I think that word has spoken, that example has spoken to me in this time. I think I have a tendency, and I, I think maybe other brothers and sisters are struggling with, with the tendency or the temptation to think, well, we can't physically meet together, or our physical uh, gatherings together are restricted. So we can put things on hold. We can, it's not the time now to build the temple, to build God's house, to, to, to build up his body. Now is not the time. We'll, we'll take care of that when things get easy again, when things open up again. And I don't think that's the type of obedience that God is looking for. He's certainly not looking for that from me. He is looking for me to be obedient in the face of difficulties and challenges, of restrictions, and adversities, to find ways around that, to, to reach out, to uh, let God's Spirit work to build up His body. I think it's an indication of that, is how much time I spend on God's business and in His vineyard versus, quote-unquote, me time. That, that was the indication here. To, to Haggai the prophet, the Lord said, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses and this house my waste? There was a comfort and a uh, security, a, a looking to ourselves and kind of, well, obviously it's not time to, to, to uh, build the temple and things are difficult and um, there's too much opposition right now. We'll just wait until things get easy. I'm going to take care of my own business. And that, to me, is an indication of not being God's people. The, the, the term, he said, this people say, he didn't say my people say, he said, this people say, the time is not come. If I want to be part of God's people, if I want to be part of his kingdom, and working in his vineyard, there's no um, sabbatical from that. There's no break from that. No, um, well, I will just, I'm going to attend to this for time and then come back to his work later on. Why are, is there no blessing on, on 
on our produce, on what we're doing. And this was God's means to tell them that their heart was not in the right place, their priorities were not right before him. I think we need to take inventory too, when things do not seem to be going right. And, and we know, we understand in this new dispensation, this, this the New Testament that Christ has given, the focus isn't on the physical blessings. It's not that the promise is not that, that we have a certain land that's going to be blessed, etc. The promise is spiritual blessings, is the is the the blessings that come from being God's people, from, from being his children through Jesus Christ, of, of communion with him, of fellowship with his saints, of, of uh, building up his kingdom, of having new children come into that. Uh, and if those blessings aren't happening, um, we need to ask if our priorities are right, if we are taking a break from things, or if if um, we are truly working in God's vineyard. I think that the analogy here, and, and that what I take from this, is, is the building up of the temple, the, the command that, that, that the children of Israel were given, had to do with God's presence. He had promised them very specifically that when you enter this land, there's a place that's going to be appointed, and I'm going to be there in a special way at this temple. And that's the, 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 the mode of worship that he established. Very clear, very laid out. And by not building that temple, not um, being diligent in the face of opposition, uh, uh, in the face of difficulties, increasing difficulties, the children of Israel were in effect saying, we're not really interested in your presence, God. You know, we're content with this physical land that we've got back now that you promised us, but we don't really want you in a special way to dwell at this special place that you appointed for you. And you and I, in our actions and our priorities, can say the same thing to God. That God, I'm not really interested in having you, uh, your presence in a real and tangible way. I'm not really, I'm more focused on this. I'm more focused on what I understand my life to be. I think as Christians, we can settle for that. We can settle for a, a mode of living, of, a, of earning wages to go into a bag with holes, and not being focused on the presence of the living God among us and in us, and working for that, seeing that happen among us and within us. Consider your ways. Go and do it. Go to the mountain. Bring the wood. Build the house. I will bless you. What's the New Testament equivalent of that? One scripture I read recently that spoke to me very clearly on this is, is from 1 Peter. What's, the, what's the, the instruction for us to build the temple? 1 Peter chapter 4. Sober-mindedness. 
as we spoke on uh, recently, a, a seriousness to see the reality of, the, of what is around us and not only move from that, move into prayer, watch unto prayer. Be sober, serious, watch unto prayer. And that's something that we can do at anywhere, at any time, any place. There's no um, excuse in terms of physical restrictions on gathering to prevent that from happening. But then he goes on to say, and above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. keep going, but let's just stop there to, to think about that a little bit. Do we have um, an idea or a perception that the current restrictions have prevented these things from happening? Of exercising fervent, fervent charity among ourselves? Or using hospitality? We may have a certain concept of hospitality as having someone over at my house and we'll have coffee and tea together, etc. I think that is, hospitality is a bigger bigger thing than just that. And if that mode is prevented, there are other ways of using hospitality, of being hospitable, of caring for each other. I speak this to myself um, without grudging. Giving and having that conversation between each other so that the charity would, come, would flow, so that things would not build up, so that sins would not multiply, that they would be covered, they would be dealt with. We have an idea that, that the pandemic and the current restrictions have prevented these things from happening and we cannot build up the temple of God because of this. Keep going. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. This is a key part of building up his body, of, 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 of serving each other according to the gifts God has given us so that the manifold, the manifold, the multifaceted grace of God will be displayed. When that's not happening, the, the manifold grace of God is not being displayed among his members. When, uh, when there is a um, seal in a pit, well, I guess I, you know, we won't talk for, for quite a while. And I say this to my shame, right? There's, there be members in this church I haven't spoken to now for a long time. Just because of the way things are, the restrictions, and we can we can we can pile up excuses one on another, just like the children of Israel did. It's not the time. It's not the time to build up the house of the Lord. It's always the time. We have a duty to to to, to fulfill what God has charged each one of us with, and He's given us the means, His Spirit to do it. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God gives. God has given each one of us an, an ability, uh, a gift to minister, to serve as part of this testimony of His grace to a watching world. That God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom we praise and dominion forever and ever. That's the way God has designed it. That's the way God has designed His church to display His manifold grace to point to Jesus Christ in our interactions with each other, in our sharing of the gospel among ourselves. So the world, the lost world who does not know Jesus Christ can see that and can be touched in a special way. And there's no break from that. We need to ask the Lord, I need to ask the Lord's forgiveness for thinking like that, thinking of this kind of, uh, this fear-filled sort of pullback 
and not fearing the Lord and his, and his command to me and his responsibility that he's placed on me. This time span was very short. Space of, I think there was four messages in Haggai in the space of four months. And things moved very quickly. And God's spirit is not bound either. If each and every one of us are obedient to his spirit, things can happen very quickly among his body and in his body. And it starts with a stern warning in verse 25 and Hebrews 12. See that he refuse not him that speaketh. Refuse always seems like a strong word, you know, like a, I am I'm a conflict averse person, and I, I always have a hard time when I disagree with someone to come right out and say, you know, I disagree with you, I refuse what you're saying. But I think we can do that in, in many more subtle ways. And, and, you, know, uh, you know, if I disagree with what someone is saying to me, there's ways it'll come out. You know, eventually I don't go along with what they're saying, or uh, I'll come and about it at another tack and say it another way. But eventually it comes out that I don't agree with what they're saying, and I refuse. And we can do the same thing with God. We cannot outright refuse this, this word that we've been given, the message we've been given. 
but we can do subtle things with it. We can divert it. We can say, well, it doesn't really apply to this situation. The current situation I'm in, the restrictions that are being, there's the, all these health considerations, et cetera, et cetera. Anything, let's be clear, anything that will prevent me from doing God's word and God's will is not his will. And I'm not saying, uh, let's throw all the, uh, the government restrictions to the winds. We don't have to obey them anymore. That's, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that God's spirit and his uh, conviction and his moving will always allow us to obey his word in whatever situation we are. There will be no excuse. We'll never be able to point to and say, well, because of this, I could not obey you and do your will in building up the body and in being uh, um, spiritually alive and, and uh, listening to your voice. So, refusing him that speaketh can be a subtle thing. And I think each of one of us, as believers and as unbelievers especially, we have to examine and say, am I refusing what God is saying to me right now? I think if you're, if, if, if you're an unbeliever, who calls themselves an unbeliever? But really, if you're not doing what God has asked you to do, these clear commands in Scripture, these clear uh, dictates to you, got to be honest and say, I don't really believe what he said. I'm not really obedient to, to, to what he's commanding me to do. I, there is unbelief here. Unbelief I need to repent of. I, I need to cry out to God to help me in my unbelief. As the, as that, uh, the father of that, that, that demon-possessed child cried out to Jesus and said, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. We have to confess that. If there is some active refusal in my life to, and scripture is clear. I, I don't think any of the things that God is asking us to do are obscure or require a degree uh, to interpret. That we need to be honest. Am I refusing him that speaketh to me? See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not him, so if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, and he's referring back to the Old Testament. Moses, the word that was given was very clear. The children of Israel, what happened to them when they refused? All the way to the captivity in Babylon. If they escaped not, refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. Whose voice then shook the earth, Mount Sinai, the thunderings and the lightnings, but he's going to be speaking. He is speaking now and will speak on that final day in a much more powerful way. Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he will promise, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this is the, the quote from Haggai here. We say, he said, I'm going to shake the heavens, the earth, everything. And this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made. So everything that is made, everything that's physical that you can touch, that, that has been formed by God is going to be removed. Yet once more signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. We are placing way too much store, even in our our fear um, of earthly authorities, that we need to respect them according to God's word, 
We're placing way too much store in the things that can be shaken. And the things that cannot be shaken, we are not treasuring enough. We're not holding on to firmly enough. Not delighting in firmly enough. Because we have received a kingdom, a dominion, which cannot be moved. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. And the, the word there draws to my mind the picture of that fire from heaven that consumes and burns up the, the sacrifice, indicating that it's completely acceptable to him. And to other instances where God is a fire burned up wickedness and judged. In all of those instances, God is... He needs to be all in all. He needs to consume everything. All those things within me that are not part of that kingdom, that need to be shaken out of me and that need to be removed, I need to ask God to do that to me. I need to allow that, that cleansing fire to come and, and cleanse me. We've been given a great promise. Um, examples, many examples we've been given in the Old Testament, particularly this one we read this morning about, about the children of Israel coming back and, and tending to their own things, as it were, and not building the temple. We have all the evidence and example of Scripture laid out before us. And not only that, we have the promise and the gift of His Holy Spirit. Those that, that have identified with Him, there's nothing that prevents us from walking out of these doors or walking out of the doors of our house or, or even within the confines of our own home and building up that kingdom. Working for that day when all will be revealed, when that kingdom in all its glory and all its power will be revealed. May the Lord bless the, the word to our hearts. May he show us where we're putting too much stock in the things that are of this earth and that can be shaken. And may he shake out of us and burn away all those things that, that need to go. as active as I should be in 
God's kingdom building up his body and his temple. The other thought I wanted to leave with you is the end, the last verse of this, of this word from the prophet Haggai, this vision on the last day where, as we say, Christ our captain leads the way, he leads through, through victorious, he will overthrow the throne of kingdoms, everything will be under his dominion, power, authority, etc. Verse 22, now, and then in verse 23, the promise that's given to us. It's a, it's a telling promise. It's, in that day, saith the Lord of hosts, will I take thee, O Zerubbabel, my servant, and I think he's, this is, this is a general a, a promise to all of his servants. It's not just specific to one person. I will take thee, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shealtiel, saith the Lord, and will make thee as a signet, for I have chosen thee, saith the Lord of hosts. A signet. If you're familiar with that, a signet ring is something that a royalty, usually, or nobility or whatever, a ring that they would wear that was their mark. And that's how they would indicate when they would, when they would stamp or seal a document that was their signet ring that would be pressed into the wax. Their identity, their, the mark of their identity, I've done this. The picture there to me is, is those that have been chosen by God, those that are obedient to his word, that have identified with Christ, they take on that identity of God, that signet ring, that mark. And it's the, the things we read about in 1 Peter 4, that kind of identity, the love, the, the ministry, the service, that comes out already here and now, that mark of, of, of God's people. And that needs to be displayed. It needs to be shown. It will be shown gloriously in that day when he overturns all of the authority structures of this world and we are on his, at his right hand. But it needs to be shown here and now that mark of identity of, 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 of uh, the Lord's signet ring. That's his desire for us, to, to mark us with that. He's given us that in the Holy Spirit. We need to get out of the way of that. We need to let go, humble ourselves, and submit to the will of the, of the Lord who, who will work that, work in us, will make us more like his Son, to whom be glory and power, Majesty, authority forever.